Hello, my bearded wonder. Now, let's start there. Yes. What happened this week? You got it trimmed so you don't look like a homeless person anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've gone from the look of laziness to the look of deliberate lifestyle choice. You have. Well, that's because my barber is amazing. He is. He definitely helped make it look less terrifying. When I went to see him about five weeks ago, he said, don't touch your beard, don't do a thing. The key ingredient to growing a beard is to not trim it. And then when I walked back in and looked like a werewolf that had been pulled through <laughs> a, a hedge backwards. Right. I said, can we touch it now? And he's like, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. Yeah, it looks much better. And you got a haircut. You look very handsome. Thank you so much. In all honesty, what do you think about the beard? I, I mean, has it grown on you? Um, I, I, it looks nice on you. Oh, look at that. A genuine compliment about the beard. I don't want you to keep it, though. What about uh, keep it at this length? For a limited amount of time, sure. And what's your worry with me keeping it forever? Because uh, I didn't marry Lyle, I married you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, oh not, that I would have a beard like Lyle. I'm not a beard fan. I don't like kissing it. Mm. And very few women actually do like kissing How beards, about I shave like a big enough hole around my That's mouth? That's disgusting. So, you... <laughs> so, no. <laughs> you didn't even let me finish. I don't need to let you finish. I understand where your little mind was going. All right. So, yes. Tell me about this week. It was different than most other weeks for the last eight months in that we didn't have to teach at school. Has everyone been asking you what you're doing with your time now that the students are away? Like somehow we're on vacation. Yeah, like we just sit at home and like, (laughs) I don't know, stare at the furniture or something. To put it in perspective, on, on any given week, when we're teaching at the school, we could be teaching anywhere between 10 to 12 times. Yeah. And those are hour and 15 minute sessions. Yeah. In a week. Yeah. This week we taught twice. That's a dramatic drop in preparation delivery because as much as we enjoy teaching and we we genuinely do, it is a physically exhausting task. It's an enormous amount of work. Well, no, I just mean the actual presentation part of it. There's an awful lot of work that goes in preparing for it, but actually talking, the amount of energy that that takes, as ridiculous as it sounds, but anybody who's a professional public speaker, a teacher, or a lecturer, or anything like that will understand, man, you, you f- sit down and you hit adrenaline fatigue. Yeah, but I think still like the 40 or 60 hours worth of work that goes into producing weekly material, like the oh, yeah. amount that we produce is... More, t- that's more the drain to me than actually even delivering the sure. material. So it's so nice to not have that being prepared. But yeah, I tell and you then what, we can get caught up in all the other stuff that's not getting done. <laughs> well, that's the thing. People are saying, hey, what do you do? Are you less busy? And we are a different kind of busy. We're yeah. just as busy, but we're busy at a different pace, yeah. doing different things. Which yeah, is, people busy. Yeah, we're trying feels, to meet with great. all the people that have been waiting and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's good. It's a nice switch. And you spoke this morning, didn't you, babe? I did speak. I spoke on the kindness of God. And then last Monday, you spoke on hell. <laughs> yeah, I like to balance out my <laughs> teaching. Well, the reason I taught in hell was Gary Morgan gave me a word when he was here. And he said that I was going to use my brethren upbringing to bring people who are in the kingdom to an understanding of what they've missed. Yeah. And I think especially like... For my journey, I was raised in a very conservative evangelical church background, which I'm forever grateful for. Mm -hmm. But when I met the Holy Spirit and 
moved into more charismatic circles, I had a foundation of a bunch of stuff that that all fit on top of. Mm -hmm. And I think for the longest time, I've assumed everybody's had the same foundation as me. And not everybody has. Right. And so I'd been wanting to, for a long time, teach on the basics of our our faith. In fact, earlier this year, when we were planning our M&8 meetings, we blocked out the month of March anyway. And then along yeah. comes Gary, and he gives me a word about that thing. So I started a series at m called The Foundations of Our Faith. And last week, we looked at what are we saved from? Yeah. And we're saved from death, yeah. Hades, and the fiery lake. Yes. And we talked about why hell is real and universalism and... Annihilationism. Thank you. Are nice thoughts. But, but they're not biblical. There's not a biblical support for it. So, yeah, yeah it was a heavy topic. But it's going to be more fun tomorrow night because on Monday at m I'm teaching on what are we saved for. Right, which is way more fun to talk about. Way more fun. And this yeah. morning, of course, was me just standing up talking about how amazing God is. and how Which was the, awesome. How he's the kindest person I've ever met. And you didn't cry. I totally expected you to cry. I cried a little bit in the first service, and I teared up in the second. Yeah. But I'm a grizzled professional, so I just moved on. Yeah, whatever. Every time you speak about the kindness of God, you cry. Well, you know why I didn't cry? Why? Was Blake Stratton wasn't there to make me cry. Oh, okay. When, so what, no, in all honesty, because okay. Blake sits at the back, and when I'm teaching on the kindness of God, and I connect eye contact with Blake, I can see that he's being moved, that I'm being moved, and then we both tend to lose it. So, <laughs> so it's Blake's fault. It's totally Blake's fault. Blake, Absolutely. It's your fault. Speaking of Blake, this is the way my brain works. So Blake, Bethel, new Bethel album. Yes. Oh, it's so good. So good. If you haven't checked out the new Bethel album, and it came out just only a few days ago, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's just a superb album. Yeah. They're doing such a great job. They really are. Our kids love Bethel Kids. Tia yesterday asked if she could join Bethel Kids. Oh. She said, do you think there's space for another dancer? Because I've been practicing my moves and I know all of the words. Oh. I'm like, you are adorable. Oh, that's so cute. Um, MJ still just sings it at the top of his lungs. Yeah, he does. So adorable. I went to the Apple store with Tia on, well, actually last night. Yeah. Uh, how that happened is Tia's iPad stopped working. Well, it's not, It's it would take forever for her Wi-Fi to get connected. Yeah. And so she came up with the idea. She said, Daddy, you can't fix it. I think we should go to the Genius Bar. So we made her an appointment using her Apple ID. So when we walked into the store, they must have known to be looking for a little girl because uh, it knows her age. And so they said, are you Tia? Do you have a Genius Bar appointment? And she was like, <laughs> yes. And we'd rehearsed what she was going to say to the Genius but anyway, she got her iPad fixed. That was fun to be on a date with her at the Apple Store. Did she actually talk to the genius or did she get shy when she got there? She buried herself in my chest until the genius said, do you like Shopkins? And then she couldn't, he couldn't get her to shut up. Right, okay. So she was fine after that. Okay. That's so cute. One of the things we did this week, which we don't normally have time to do, is we had a bunch of people over. Yeah. I mean, every year when the students go on outreach, we try and have those people that weren't able or chose not to go on outreach, over for food. So we had a uh, burger party at our house. It was a very limited burger party. Yeah. But there were burgers and it was a party, so I guess that qualifies. Yes, a burger and chip party. But it was great. I just love having people over. It was so fun. And it was the first grill of the season. It was. And you (laughs) discovered what about your grill? Well, (laughs) Gary and Sarah Morgan, God bless them, Bought us a beautiful grill, not last time we were here, but the time before. Yes. 
and it's just a gorgeous grill. It's an amazing grill. And um, we went. We were in Home Depot the other night, weren't we? We were looking at grills, and I, you know, went over to the grill that we haven't opened up, and I just kind of chuckled to myself that they'd assembled it wrongly. Right. Until I realized, oh, no, they've assembled all of them wrongly. No, you actually flipped it over to make it well, that's, right. That's what's yeah. So basically, I opened up the <laughs> lid and I realized that they're they're what do you call them? Grills. The the, the actual the grill grate. plates, yeah, the yeah, grate. Yeah. In my mind, they were upside down, so I turned them over yeah. and then thought, I wonder if they've put them all upside down. And well, to my shock, they had. But I pointed out to you that, oh, it looks like those are actually little feet that are now sticking up in the air. And then I had this horrible realization for the last three years, I've been using my <laughs> grills upside down. I was like, no wonder they're so hard to clean. And they're a pain to flip. Oh, and so oh. I turned them over and I was like, that makes so much more sense. Yes. So... It was an educational trip to Lowe's this week mm-hmm. when we went on our date, didn't we? On our wander date. I think that's probably the equivalent of me when I go and help people with their iPads. And I'm shocked to find out that rather than just turning the screen off, they're physically powering down their iPad and then powering it back up the next time that you need to use it. And I'm right. thinking, are you on drugs? That's probably what a grill master would look at our grill and think, oh, what are you doing? Luckily, we didn't encounter any grill masters. Who could question you in such a way? All right. Do you want to know what our topic is for this week? Well, we didn't talk about one more thing from this week. Oh, tell me. Which was My- grilled halibut. Okay. This is going to be fascinating for everybody. <laughs> Go on. Well, we're eating a lot of fish right now, yep. which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. And because of eating a lot of fish, uh, we decided to try halibut because I hadn't tried it. And I grilled it on the Breville contact plate griller look at you with all your fancy terms thank you and it only took about three and a half minutes to cook the whole thing to cook the whole thing and i was a little worried because i'd never done halibut before but it was yummy yeah we're eating fish every single day every day so we're trying lots of different fish yeah we've discovered that we love cod yes we do didn't think that i would love cod i've Mm -hmm. never had halibut in my life Halibut's a win. Halibut is delicious. Sea bass is delicious. Well, that's because you marinate it in your oolong green No, tea. you could pretty much do anything to sea bass. Sea and bass it's was good. delicious. Oh. Mahi mahi. Eh. You don't like mahi? It's not turning out that well when I cook it. Well. It's kind of drying out really fast. At least you're not eating tuna out of a tin. No, I'm not. <laughs> Why? Because I'm allergic. Yeah. So, you know. Well, I think we should test and see if you're healed. Okay. I'll have an EpiPen standing by just okay. in case. Let's do it. All right, our topic for this week. Because we're in this super laid-back, chilled mode, and, well, Sunday was a busy day because we were teaching, we thought, we don't have a topic for our podcast, but we do have a backlog of listeners' questions. Billions of And every questions. week we ask for our listeners' questions, <laughs> and they come in, but we never actually answer them. Well, we try and answer them. Okay. But we're going to do a mammoth run of listeners' questions. Okay. Do you want me to read you the first one? No, what I want to do right now is talk about the topics that we're going to be talking about so people can decide whether they want to stay listening or not. Oh. Because sometimes, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, I don't want to listen to listeners' questions. I want to listen to a topic. Okay. So, the topics that we're going to be answering questions range from depression, uh, school of supernatural life, uh, wisdom and discernment in the spiritual realm, uh, soaking music, how to remember your dreams, The difference between experiencing God with people and experiencing God on your own. That's where we're going. There you go. That's what we're talking about. If that sounds interesting, stay tuned. 
If it doesn't, we don't blame you at all. Have a nice week. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs> all right. The first question. Yeah. Do you want me to read it or are you going to read it? I'll read it. All right. Go for it. It says, I've been going through a season of serious depression. I'm disconnected from my community. And many days I find it hard to listen to any voice but the one of condemnation and self-hatred. On my worst days, I am frustrated with God, though I can't really give a good reason for it and ignore everything that is life-giving. I know with my head that this is all unreasonable, but I am so low on love that I can't do anything to snap myself out of it. I still talk to God, but have difficulty hearing Him reply. I've reached out to friends to let them know what I am dealing with, but they can't give me what I need, whatever that is. Alan, I've heard you mention your nervous breakdown and period of depression many years ago. Do you believe you were saved before and during this period of your life? More broadly, is it possible to be saved and still be deeply depressed? Lastly, what are some things that I can do to leave this season behind? What a fantastic series of questions. And this is an anonymous question, so I don't know if you're uh, male or female, so forgive me if I get the gender wrong, but... Um, you're absolutely right. I did have, in fact, I talked about it this morning at church. I shared from my, um, life experience when I was 21 years old, I had, um, I don't know what the proper clinical term was, but I probably should have been hospitalized. I was on, uh, lithium as a long-term stabilizing drug. I was easily clinically depressed. I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was just in an absolute state of despair. I stopped sleeping. I couldn't think straight. I was hearing voices. It was just the worst season. It was beyond anything I could have imagined in terms of bad. And you do a pretty good description of of describing what it's like. And I have a keen interest in mental health, obviously because I, I went through that, but also learning what not to do and what to do. And I don't have uh, all the answers at all, but l- let me tell you what I learned and subsequently have read from wiser people than I. Depression and mental health issues, mental illness in and of itself is grossly misunderstood by the body of Christ. Yeah. So advice like cheer up or snap out of it is not helpful because it's not something that you have chosen to be sad about and it's not something that you decided to snap into. And there are a number of reasons why um, depression lands. There's Uh, biological reasons. So there's chemical levels in your brain. There's emotional reasons or uh, environmental reasons. For example, you're under stress, you've hit burnout, you're working too much. There's hereditary reasons. Things can be passed on from your generation. And then there's spiritual reasons. There could be deep, dark depression that's demonically inspired. So there's this whole soup, really, of varying things that could impact a person's state. And Uh, I think the church is ill-equipped because if you go to church with a cast on your leg, people understand what's wrong and people have different expectations of what you're capable of because they can see the cast, they can determine, oh, you're immobile, Uh, let me get the door for you. There's grace for you not being able to move as quickly as you might do. But when you're suffering from depression, there is no outside signals for people. Right. Other than, you, you know, you're chronically sad and lifeless and people just think oh i feel I, I felt like that yeah just snap out of it but until you've lived through clinical depression it is not possible 
to imagine what it's like on the inside. It feels like you're completely out of control of any of the volume knobs on your life that determine your your satisfaction, your appetite, your joy, your hope. And it's it's horrible. It really is. So my my deepest sympathies and and great compassion go out to you. In terms of telling your friends, again, unless they have dealt with what you're dealing with, it's not their fault, but they're not going to be that much use. And it's also, as my friends told me <laughs> later, I, you, you're not a joy to be around, and that's not your fault. I lived with uh, three guys during my season of depression, and <laughs> they would tell me horror stories of what I was like, most of which I was unaware of or or how I was affecting other people. But it, uh, what, can you be a Christian and be depressed? Absolutely. You absolutely can. There is, uh, I mean, if you read through scripture, you'll find many people who were uh, devoted followers of the Lord, and yet they had bouts of depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read the Psalms, for example, if you read Lamentations, uh, if you read Job, there are these people who have a rich relationship with God and they weren't spared the darkness that often comes with depression. So in terms of more broadly, is it possible to be saved and still be deeply depressed? Absolutely. I myself have experienced that. I have ministered to many people who've been in that. And in terms of what can you do to leave the season behind, I would I would attack this season with a multi-pronged fork. I would go find a very sympathetic GP or doctor and explain what's going on, explain any reservations you have about any of the treatments that they they might suggest. I would also find a skilled um, inner healing minister. Not that I'm suggesting that what you have right now is all demonic and just a deliverance session will take it. You're looking for somebody who knows what they're doing. John and Paula Sanford, who are grandfathers of the faith, have written some excellent material about dealing with depression. Um, and I, I'd, in, I'd encourage you to read that. But if you can find somebody who is a skilled counselor, somebody who is well-versed in the human heart, well-versed in inner healing and deliverance, because they will be able to spiritually attune what's going on and, and they could be of great help for you. So yeah, uh, attack it from a medical perspective, by all means, and attack it from a spiritual perspective too. It would be good to um, also go to Restoring the Foundations and maybe get a healing week there. Might yeah. really be helpful. Our friends run a ministry called Restoring the Foundations, and it, it's absolutely excellent. That would be that that wouldn't hurt either. Yeah. But I think in the meantime, my encouragement to you is: this is not the rest of your life. This is a season, and the goodness of God, all the promises that you've heard, still apply to you. And it's trite to say, but it's the truth, nevertheless, that please don't doubt in the dark what you learn in the light. Yeah. And again, this is not what God's called you to. This is not your norm. So I'm not sure that's how helpful that is. I'm trying to think of how I would have received my advice just then when I was in my deep, dark depression. But Anonymous, we're praying for you that that um, season lifts. Yeah. All right, AJ, I have a question for you. It sounds like a shaper question. Okay, I'm ready. This is from Alyssa. Yes. And she says, I, my question for you is, what advice do you have for future students who already have jobs they will have to balance? I'm trying to decide when it will be best to give my boss a heads up about the school. Is it best to wait until after I've put in the application or until I know I've been accepted? Also, 
What's your advice for SOSL students on balancing the school, jobs, and rest, especially for those who might choose to work Wednesday through Saturday and also do church on Sundays? As an introvert and a high contemplator, I love having an empty day in my week that I can dedicate to processing, journaling, being creative, recharging, etc. But I know it's possible that this may not be an option for me. Well, Melissa, those are great questions. Uh, The first thing I would say is wait until you've been accepted to speak to your employer. Um, Because, you know, there's some time that happens between filling out your application, hearing back from the school, all those kind of things. So then, you know, you're talking to them about a real for sure thing as opposed to, you know, running it by them a couple of times. So I would say fill out your application, wait until you get accepted and then chat with your employer. In terms of uh, a day off, like if you're planning on working Wednesday to Saturday, I think that would be up to you. What you need to look at is can you financially make it uh, having a day off and then work three days? Is Do your finances look like you could do that? Uh, or do you need to work the four days? In which case you might have to just be really smart about guarding some evening time or you know morning time depending on when you work that is just your time to make sure that you get your introverted fill up time. Right. So that would be my advice. Yeah. All right. I've got a question for you, Mrs. Jones. Yes. This is from Faith. Hi, Faith. She says, I want any advice or wisdom you may have on discernment. Discernment is something I haven't heard much teaching on, but something I feel strongly almost every day. For example, I can be totally fine and going about my day, but when I get in an atmosphere with lots of people, I tend to feel tons of different feelings all at once. I can tell a difference now between what's my feeling and what somebody else is feeling with the help of the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what to do with it. I can't choose when to turn it on or off, but it'll just happen all at once, and it's not like I'm feeling one person's struggles, but multiple different ones at the same time. All I want to do in those moments is somehow get a microphone and ask, who's battling with X, who's battling with Y and Z, and pray for them. But it's not my position or authority to do that. And I end up getting overwhelmed and just sometimes weep uncontrollably for things that aren't even my own struggle. So, how do I get to a place of not neglecting the gift, even when it's hard to carry? Do you guys have any experience with this? Do you know anyone who deals with this or have any book suggestions for me to learn more about? Um, I don't have any book suggestions. Maybe uh, Alan can suggest something. But uh, Faith, you are a wonderful mix of a feeler and an evangelist. I just love that your gut is like, oh, I wish I could get a microphone and just say, okay, who is this? So I can pray for you. Um, I have gone through seasons where feeling was my primary way of um knowing what was going on with people. And it is overwhelming at times, especially if what they're feeling is overwhelming, um, like grief or depression or any of those sort of things. Um, but typically if I'm in a room with a lot of people and I can feel a bunch of stuff, I either ask the Lord, uh, to highlight to me, anybody he wants me to go and talk to and, um, you know, and pray with and whatever, or, if he's just, if I'm just feeling and and I don't feel any sort of knowing as to who to go to or or what to do with it, then I just sort of pray through the feelings quickly and then ask the Lord to take them away. I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not, but um, I think sometimes he shows you so that when you start talking to person X, you're going to have an idea of what's going on and how you can encourage them. 
But if it's just like absolutely overwhelming and you've not the foggiest clue, I think it's okay to say, Father, can you either clarify or could you lift this? Right. I know that several of my prophet friends went through seasons like this where, and when I spoke to them about how they handle that, they say, I've learned to change the radio station. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, if you go into a restaurant and you're having dinner with your wife, you're listening to your wife, but just because you're listening to your wife doesn't mean you can't hear everybody else's conversations. Right. But you've tuned out of those conversations to listen to the one that's that matters. Right. But you could equally stop listening to your wife and tune into the conversation that's happening behind you. And so I've had friends who've just said, you know, over the years, I've learned to do that. I've learned to, you know, zero out of that. I much more see stuff than I feel or hear stuff. And so with my thing of seeing, it's a little easier because I look in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, hopefully that's helpful, Faith. We are blasting through these like nobody's yeah, come business. come on. I got to get to the gym, baby. Yeah, you do. Come on. All right. Read me the next one. All right. This is from Catherine. And she says, is soaking music necessarily without words? Do you have any soaking music that you recommend? I've been looking and not finding much success. Love your podcast. Well, thank, Love you, Catherine. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you, Catherine. And if you come to the right place, because we can just tell you immediately what to do. No, soaking music is not necessarily without words. Uh, depending on how you're feeling, you can have completely instrumental music or you can have people singing. For the longest time, the only soaking CD that I would listen to would be Laura Woodley's Home. I still highly recommend it. Yeah. Anything from Laura Woodley, now Laura Woodley Osman, is going to be incredible. But yeah. she had a couple of albums that we would soak to all the time. In fact, she just Home, released a brand new one. In Love, yeah. And then the Riveras, Alberto and Kimberly Rivera, they have a mix of instrumental, spontaneous, and songs with words. And Julie True, who goes to Grace Center, also has a mix of instrumental and singing stuff. So whatever floats your boat, we'll put links to all three of those artists for you to go check out on uh, iTunes. And hopefully you can find something that's super awesome. I'll tell you the other thing. The thing that I almost exclusively soak to right now is the last night of the Moore Conference a number of years ago, Jesse Early and the rest of the worship team, Chris McClarney's in there and Luke Finch is in there and uh, the Grace Center worship team, Josh Parsons on his awesome guitar. We just captured the most amazing, spontaneous time. And I'll put a link to it. It's called Glory. It is 33 minutes of just spontaneous oohs and ahs. I interrupt it in the middle by praying. I apologize in advance, but it, I love it. That, that's what I pretty much do all my sermon prep to and my soaking to. I, I love it completely. Again, show notes for all the links to that. Woohoo. All right. Next question. This one's from Camille. I'm enjoying listening to your podcast and have now listened to about 20. I'm learning so much. Excuse me if you've answered this already, but my question is regarding how to remember your dreams. I wake knowing that my night was busy, yet only have vague impressions of the activity. If I remember even one detail, I'm thrilled. Maybe once every two months uh, will I have a strong memory of a dream. Is there a trick to teasing a dream out of my memory? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question because this was my whole experience. I remember listening to Bob Jones talk about his dreams and I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't have dreams from you. And the Lord kindly pointed out that you do not have because you do not ask. So I started asking the Lord that he would speak to me in dreams. And with that prayer... 
I matched that with an expectation that he actually would. Mm. And I would keep a pen and a notepad beside my bed uh, with a light in easy reach. And if I had a dream and I woke up with a dream, I would immediately record it. To this day, I just do it on my phone. In fact, last night I had a dream. I had a brilliant dream. And yeah. I, the fir- as soon as I woke up with a dream, I just typed it out on my phone. I'm, I'm not sure how much sense it makes. Now I'd have to go reread it. <laughs> early morning typing on a phone is not the best. But right. when you when you prepare to hear from the Lord, you're telling the Lord, I'm going to value the revelation that you give me. So that's one thing. Get pen and paper out. Another thing is to pray. And the third thing is, if possible, don't set an alarm clock. Because sometimes your alarm clock interrupts you as you're dreaming. In terms of teasing things from your dream, in the in the book of Job, it talks about how God hides things from people in dreams. And it's not that God's being mean, but he locks up stuff in your heart that he's going to reveal later in life. So he's not short on revelation. So don't worry about the dreams you have had, but you've missed. Ask him for new ones and try those tips that we gave you and see if they help. Yes. Perfect. All right, baby. Last question yes. from Madeline. Hi, Madeline. She says, Ellen AJ, I have noticed that there is a difference in what I experience when I'm completely alone with God versus when I'm with other people. I find it so much more difficult to connect and commune with God in a setting where other people are around me than when I'm alone with him. Is this a bad thing? And what could I do to change it? I, I would say, Madeline, I'm exactly the same. I find it much more difficult to connect uh, with a group of people. But typically... When you're with a group of people, you're there to worship and you're there for corporate worship. And so if I'm there for praise and for worship, I'm okay that I am just choosing to lift him up and choosing to um, praise him. I I don't feel as intimately connected as I do if I'm journaling with him or soaking or any of those sort of things. I think there's probably different kinds of connections for different activities. What's your thoughts, babe? I had exactly the same experience. In fact, one of the most difficult things I went through at the school of ministry was we would do soaking every Thursday afternoon. And so there'd be a room full of about 70 of us lying down. And I would get so angry that I'd want to storm out and leave. And I remember my small group leader coming over, Sean, and, you know, he was like, so what's going on? I was like, I hate this. This is so stupid. Blah, 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 blah. And what it turned out to be was I didn't like having to share God with other people. Now, that sounds ridiculous. But it was going back to my childhood that I'm I'm the only boy. I had three sisters. Yeah. And I didn't like, there was a sibling rivalry, I just realized. And there was all this hurt and woundedness in my heart that I hadn't extended forgiveness from when I was a young boy. So I hadn't extended forgiveness. So all I needed to do was actually just forgive my sisters. Who, let's face facts, I hadn't done anything wrong. Right. They just existed. They just existed and competed for my parents' affection. And right. once that happened, I realized, oh God. Other people's blessing doesn't come at the expense of mine. Okay, there's plenty. Yeah. But to this day, my my still my favorite way to access the Lord is on my own in hiddenness. Yeah, me too. All right. Let us ask you, dear listeners, a question. Because we've been answering yours. The question I would love to ask you is, what is the biggest thing that you're facing in your life right now that you would love some input on? If you feel comfortable letting us know that and us reading that out on air. Just give us some feedback. Go to alanandaj.com slash feedback to answer that question. If you've got questions you would like to ask us, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And for the show notes, go to alanandaj.com slash 94. 
All right, you beautiful people. Thank you for tuning in. We love getting to hang out with you every single week. And we will be back same time, same place next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 